0: the online marketing show every day with joseph bushnell helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic improving conversion rates increasing customer value and getting things done fast listen take action make money Hello, welcome to the online marketing show. I'm your host, Joey Bushnell. Today I'm talking to a top copywriter, Sally Ormond of Briar Copywriting. Go to BriarCopywriting.com to find out more. Sally, thank you for being with me today.
1: Hi, thanks for asking.
0: Sally, how did you get into copywriting?
1: It's one of those um journeys when I kind of stumbled into it, really. Um Previous roles, um, I started off life in the banking industry um, and then worked for an international leprosy charity. So in both of those roles, that involved a lot of writing on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. And obviously with the leprosy role, uh, it was a lot of direct mail and fundraising packs and things like that. So that kind of really helped me with the persuasive side of copywriting. Um, and then really I did a, an English degree with the Open University over six years, started that back in 2001. And when I graduated in 2007, um, uh, a guy I know locally who has several marketing companies needed some help with some copy on a project and he just asked if I'd do it. And and that was it. That was the the launch of Briar Copywriting.
0: So that was in your previous jobs and now you're a freelancer, yeah?
1: That's right,
0: yeah. What different types of copy do you do, Sally? I've seen on your website there's quite a few different types of marketing materials that you can help people produce.
1: Yeah, it's it's the whole spectrum, basically. So anything uh, that involves sort of online or, or offline marketing. So that for, uh, fulfills everything along the lines of SEO copywriting, um, email content, newsletters, right through to brochures, case studies, reports, even scripts. Um, anything like that that uses the written word for marketing is what I'll do.
0: And I also read on your website, Sally, that you said it's your job to make people's copy more powerful, persuasive and more creative. I was just wondering, do you have any tips for us how we can actually do that for ourselves as well?
1: Yeah, I think one of the key things um, when you're writing copy, especially for your own business, um, you have to remember to to take yourself out of your business, which sounds a bit bit strange, but um, I know anybody out there that's tried to write something for their own company has probably ended up banging their head against a brick wall because it's so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really a case of lifting yourself away from your business and looking at it from your customer's point of view. Um, So it's looking at what you do, whether it's products or services that you provide and working out what it is about those things um, that your customers want. That's what they're interested in. It's how you're gonna help them as opposed to what your business is like or where your premises are or anything like that. So it's really taking it right back to the bare bones and and finding out what the key benefits are of your products And using those within your copy, which is what makes the connection with the reader.
0: I read on your blog that people use the word "we" too much in their copy. What words should they be using instead, and how do we do it? Because it's such an easy trap to fall into.
1: It is because the one thing, one subject everybody likes to talk about is themselves. Uh, Everybody loves it. You know, as soon as you say, "Oh, what do you do?" and that's it. You know, you can go on forever talking about you, you know, and what you do. Uh, which is all well and good, but um, as I said earlier, it's not what um, customers want to hear. They want to hear about themselves. That's what they want to know about what you're going to do for them. So a website full of we is not a good thing um, because it's too um, internal looking, if you like. Instead, everything needs to be replaced with you. Um, So it's talking to the reader all the time. Um, The best way to think of it is if um, you're in a bar with your customer and you were sat there and you were chatting to them, you would know you'd use you a lot about what they're looking for and that kind of thing. And it's very informal, um, very almost collaborative approach to talking, very conversational. And and that's kind of what you need to bring across into any marketing, especially websites. So basically, go through your site, cut out anything that says we and is looking at your business and turning it on its head and using you um, and actually directly talking to your customers.
0: And that applies across the board. It doesn't matter whether it's a blog post or an email or whatever. The word we is less powerful than the word you.
1: Definitely, yeah. Whatever it is, because all your marketing collateral, is going, it should be addressing the customer because that's who it's aimed at. That's who you're talking to. So across the board, whether it's print or, or online marketing, it should all concentrate on the word you as opposed to we.
0: In what ways can we make our marketing materials more eye-catching?
1: Oh, that one really, especially when you're just talking about copy. I mean, it's very easy to kind of throw in lots of graphics and photos and images, Mm -hmm. um, but it's actually the words that are going to be like your main sales team. They're the things that are actually going to get people to buy. So it's creating um, your content. So it, it looks good. It looks nice and it looks readable. Um, The way I always compare it is if you open a book and it is small print, solid text, top to bottom of the page, I always remember it at school, you'd see the the novels you had to read and you'd think, oh God, I can't face that. And your marketing content has exactly the same effect on people if it's solid block of text. Mm -hmm. But if you break that up using a lot of headings, a lot of subheadings, bullet points, anything like that to, to break up the text to have a lot of what's called white space around it so you've got a lot of um, areas you know blank areas but you've got headings that act as signposts so people can scan down your copy and they can pick out the bits that they really want to know about and they want to read about Um, and that way it just makes the whole effect of it looks far more accessible to somebody and they're more inclined to read it
0: and how do we work out what our potential customers really value the most
1: That one is basically going to come down to your market research. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with your product or service, you you know how how great it is. You know, you came up with it in the first place and you're selling it and you'll know it really well, all the features really well. But a good way of doing it is if you're selling a particular type of product um, is is always look at reviews online of people that are selling similar things. Because that way, customers are going to be very open with with how they've found a particular product or a service. And they'll say what they like and what they don't like about it. That kind of feedback is really powerful um, because that gives you an insight into the customer and what it is that they want the most from what you're selling or what you're providing them with. So that's a really good way of picking up um, the main benefits of your product. But it's it's really things that are going to make a a difference to the customer. So it's not how many colours the product comes in or anything like that. You're looking at if it's going to save them time, if it's going to save them money, if it's going to make them more attractive or more successful, that kind of thing. It's the impact it's going to have on their lives that's more important.
0: You mentioned benefits there, Sally. Do you focus on one major benefit or do you lay out every conceivable benefit that you can think of?
1: It's best to try and focus in on the main benefit um, the reason for that is otherwise your copy tends to get very confused um, and that will lose its impact and it will lose its power um, so certainly you lead with the main benefit um, the, the main thing that somebody's going to be looking for you can certainly bring in after that you know the additional benefits um, maybe in a bullet list or something like that to draw the eye to it Um, but certainly for clarity of of text find the key benefit and that's the one that that you should really concentrate
0: on sally how do we keep our copy plain and simple i'm not talking like we spoke about earlier about the graphic side i mean the actual words and the message itself because like you said we can overcomplicate it and make it a bit messy so how do we stop ourselves from doing that kind of thing
1: yeah, overwriting is very easy to do. Um, you get very carried away with what you're doing, and before you know it, you've written War and Peace. You know, it, yeah. it can be very, very difficult to keep it tight. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the best way to do it is again, harking back to school days, is planning. Okay. Um, plan what you're going to write. Plan how you're going to uh, do it. Uh, you know, a structure. So, like an essay, you've got to start, the middle, and the end. So you've got the main benefit. Back up that benefit with um, evidence of what it's going to do. If you've got any statistics, you know testimonials, that kind of thing, um, and then end it maybe with a review of other benefits and, and a strong call to action. So it's it is really kind of keeping keeping your content tight and cutting. Uh, I mean that's one thing I find I do a lot of. I'll produce an initial draft and then you have to be really ruthless and make every single word that you use count. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's not Having the desired effect, if it's not keeping you or the reader engaged, then cut it. Um, So it's really having to keep it tight, keeping very, very focused on what your key message is.
0: You mentioned testimonials there. And these days, a lot of testimonials can seem like they're fake. Some can seem a bit weak, you know, like the person didn't actually want to provide it. So how do we gather very strong testimonials that really pack a punch?
1: Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Often if you ask for a testimonial, you'll get that, oh, you know, very you know, good service, <laughs> yeah, completed on time or something like that, which really doesn't give you any essence of, of what your product or what your service is really like. Yeah. Um, the best way to do it um, is you've, you've practically got to lead your customers, um, especially if you're a service provider, mm-hmm. is once you've completed the project, they're happy with it. And then go back to them, um, usually by email, you see and say, you know, would you – be willing to provide us with a testimonial to use within our marketing materials and and ask specific questions. Um, So ask them why they chose you above everybody else, um, what it was about the product or service that attracted them to it, how it helped them, how it benefited their business, uh, what the outcome was. So if they've got any, especially if it's um, something that maybe, you know, like um, search engine optimization would drive, traffic to their website see if they've got any statistics to back that up to say how much their traffic went out by mm-hmm. that kind of thing so really it is asking specific questions because mm-hmm. if you do go out with an email and say can I have a testimonial then yes you're going to get back there all oh, very pleased for the service thank you very much mm-hmm. um, but if you want something more specific then ask the questions even if it's like a, a little feedback form you could email to them with specific questions for them to answer and then use that within the testimonial
0: do people generally resist giving them or so long as you help them along with it, are they pretty cool doing it most of the time?
1: Yeah, most people are especially if if they have had a good experience which obviously you hope they all have yeah. and you've and have benefited from your product or service Then most people are admittedly it tends to be um, will go to the bottom of their to-do list yeah um, because everybody's time limited obviously um, and, and it is difficult to to try and um, get people to do something like that. But don't bombard them with constant reminders because that won't go down <laughs> at all well. <laughs> but but certainly sort of, you know, once it's finished, um, once they've had the invoice, you've had payment, then just say, you know, thanks very much for your um, your custom. We really appreciate it. Would you mind doing this to help us? Um, and and most people will do it. But, yeah, you're going to get the odd one or two that, that maybe don't respond. But, um at the, at the end of the day, you know, if, if, they've enjoy, if they've liked the service, if they've benefited from it, then, then they will you know, be willing to help you and give something back by providing you with a testimonial.
0: Testimonials are obviously a really strong way to add proof to your offer or message. We obviously want to stack on as much proof as we possibly can. So other than testimonials, what other ways can we do that?
1: Ooh, I mean, if you're looking at um, anything really that that talks about your product or service, so if you've had um, a review through other magazines or other websites, that's always handy to, to put, push people onto. Mm-hmm. Um, case studies are a great way of of um, selling under the radar. I like to see it as because a case study isn't going to be an overt sales tool. Mm-hmm. But it's going to show a real life situation, which people love. They love to hear about how something's helped somebody else um, from, a, from a customer's perspective. So it gives them, um, it obviously helps your customer because it gives them a little bit of publicity. Um, but it also will show the, the problem that they had, why they came to you and the results that they had. So case studies are a really powerful way of, of promoting yourself as well. Social media, without doubt. Um, Through Twitter, people are more like if you've done something for them, are going to put something on Twitter. Oh, that was really great! Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I mean that even something like that is brilliant. Using that as a testimonial, it's very reactive. It's 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 instant. They put it up there usually when you know everything's still rosy and wonderful, and they're they're so thrilled with what you've done. They're always great ones to use. Um, and other, other through that, it's other promotional um, methods of, of, of blogging, um, of producing articles, um, dealing with um, questions and things on forums and social media. If, you can, if you're uh, an expert in your field and somebody asks a p- specific question about that, jump in and don't sell but give advice. Mm-hmm. So to, to show yourself as an expert, to show yourself as somebody who's open and willing to share their expertise Um, So that's always a a good way of um, promoting yourself. And then, of course, there's the the good old press release, be it online or offline. Um, They're always a very good way of of promoting your products and services.
0: On that note, actually, Sally, what is a press release and how can it help us?
1: Right. Well, the the press release, um, it's basically a news item. (laughs) That's what it is, although um, you're going to use it as a promotional tool, but it's, talking about news, something that's happened that other people want to know about in in your business, in your company. Um, So you're really kind of looking at if it's a – you could do it for a new website launch, um, a new product launch, service launch, maybe a a new MD or something coming into the company, Uh, something along those lines that's going to be newsworthy. And that's the key, Mm -hmm. that it's not an out-and-out sales pitch. It has to be newsworthy Um, and whether you send that into your industry press, your local paper or use some of the online press release outlets, Mm -hmm. it has to be newsworthy for it to actually be used. Otherwise, it'll just be ditched really quickly. So you do have to make sure that it is actually news.
0: And so those online sites that you mentioned, are there journalists at the other end that are looking for stories to find or how does it work?
1: Some are some aren't um, there are some that you can use which are free services, which effectively you just go on, upload your press release, and it's published but then again there's that tends to have quite a limited um, scope though uh, with regards to who it who it reaches um, but then you've got some other ones which are a paid distribution and and they do tend they do have editorial staff as well that are able to look at them uh, if you want to. Um, various levels, obviously, of, of, of paid submission um, to then sort of take your press release forward and push it out to more outlets for you.
0: Any tips on writing a good press release? You said it being newsworthy is key. Is there anything else that you can tell us?
1: Really, when, when you start off with, with the press release, um, it's it's a bit like with the web copy and everything else. Obviously, you need to have something about your business in there so that people know who the company is and what's being talked about. So initially that first paragraph will be like the who, what, when, where, why, sort of journalistic look at it, very succinctly saying um, who you are, um, what you do, and what the press release is about. Um, And then you kind of go into... Uh, if it's a, a website or something like that it, it's always in a third person so it's like for example briar copyright you' pleased to announce a new website with this functionality or something along those lines. Okay. Um, and you can bring in then quotes um, of, from yourself or from other members of staff um, to, to back it up. So it's as I say it is it is very newsworthy and they tend to be quite short as well so it's it, again it's keeping it very tight, making every word count. Um, But with the main focus on news as opposed to selling something, it it definitely has to be news.
0: Last question on press releases, Sally. Sometimes people do things tied in with stories like fundraising events and charities. Does that work well?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, The local angle, the charity angle, uh, anything like that, because that's going to be real news for your community then. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a great way to promote your business um, if you've taken part in, like, what just happened, the Sport Relief Mile, yeah. um, the London Marathon, you know, ab sales, bunch jumps, anything like that mm-hmm. to show um how you're helping local causes or national causes even. Um, and and then obviously that can be brought in a, a bit about your business at the end. So so that shows it really kind of shows the human side of your business. Um that, that you are a company that that cares about people and, and that you're you know willing to to go that extra mile to help people. Uh, in relation to whether it's charity events or helping local organisations.
0: Do you have any tips for writing a compelling monthly newsletter?
1: All newsletters. Worth their weight in gold. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, again, uh, the, the common theme that's coming through all of this is sort of like your marketing materials, a lot of them you're not going to be overtly selling. And that's very true in your newsletter. Yeah. Certainly you can have in like um, if you've got a special offer on or something like that. But the main crux of it is going to be adding value to your customers and to your readers. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to the content, think about um, what's happening in your industry. If you can come up with any handy hints, how-to guides, little articles like that are really valuable. um, And people really do like getting things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And to try and keep up with with the content, I know from myself writing my own and, and writing newsletters for clients, the, the sticking point is always, oh, my God, what do I write about this month? Yeah. So what I always ask them to do is, is keep a pad and a pen next to you, and then things will crop up. Maybe it's something a, a customer has – uh, an issue they've brought up that you think, oh, that could be used as an article to answer that question because I'm sure other people are feeling the same way. And it's making jotting these down so every month when it comes to time to do a newsletter, you've got a ready source of information there that you can pick and choose what you want to go into that month. And that way, you're never really going to run out of content. You're always going to have something to say.
0: I'm on lots of different people's mailing lists, Sally, and I guess I get two main types of email – One is just plain black and white text. It's basically a regular email. The other kind I get is what I would call maybe a newsletter, which actually has a header. It's got graphics. It's got colors. It's got images, the rest of it. Is there a difference between the response those two types of emails are likely to get? And does it matter which kind we use? Would you prefer one over the other?
1: Uh, from a personal point of view um, I prefer the the, the newsletter style uh, you know the HTML one with all the functionality um, mainly because of that uh, it, it gives you the option to to add in lovely images um, it gives you the option to click through to other sites and things which is, which is really important with newsletters because as, as I'm sure you know you know when you get them in, you'll have a quick look and if you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling you're going to yeah. hit delete yeah you just haven't got time to look at it mm-hmm. but the the idea thing with uh, especially kind of the newsletter style emails is that you can put in a snippet a little teaser if you like about a particular article maybe you've written mm-hmm. that's on your site or on your blog and then you can link through to it so when they've got more time they can click through and read it mm-hmm. rather than having to go through it to get to the next piece of information Yep. So, so yeah, in that way, I would prefer the sort of the HTML newsletter style.
0: Yeah, I think I have to agree. You know how you said earlier about you're not overtly necessarily selling to people. You're just giving them good content. It's got that editorial magazine type of feel, doesn't it? It just looks a bit more professional. Yeah. It looks more
1: professional. Yeah, yeah,
0: it does. Yeah. My last question for you, Sally, is you mentioned on one of your blog posts that you have over time as a copywriter developed a thick skin why is that? Why do you need a thick skin as a copywriter?
1: Oh yes, I think any writer out there would understand uh, that a thick skin is needed, uh, definitely. Mainly because what I often find is obviously I'm brought in um, by our clients to work on a project because um, I'm an experienced writer. I know how to sell through writing, um, and and obviously that's that's why I'm commissioned to work with them, but. Writing is something, obviously, that we all do from, you know, as soon as we've, we've learned to pick up a pen and we start scribbling. So all through school, we all write. You know, it's what we do. And, and writing is one of those talents that everybody does think, that's fine, I can do that. That's no problem. So when you produce your content, um, I'll always produce a first draft. Uh, it'll go to the client. It will be laid out in a way that, that I know is going to work Do my own experience. Um, and using language that I know will work, but nine times out of ten, it will come back saying, "Oh no, this is how it should be done." Completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's and it's anything that any writer, whether they're commercial, whether they're fiction, whatever type of writing they do, um, people are always going to have their own view on things. It's a very subjective thing to be doing. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very much you have to. You know, it's not you personally they're kind of having a go at in your own writing. It's that they feel how it should be written, Um, which is when then you need that relationship with your clients to be able to sit down and say, okay, this is why I have written it in a certain way. And once you've explained the rationale behind it all, that's when people think, oh, right. okay, yeah, I get it. Fine carry on um, it doesn't always happen um, a lot of people are you know they're, they're happy to go by um, my experience and, and what I've suggested because they know you know it's, it's going to work but you, you get a few people that are that are often going to, uh, to to counter what what you've you know works that you have the experience to see that it works. Um, but once you've actually explained why things are done in a certain way, then usually that that's okay. They take that on board, and then you know you progress on with the next draft um, and, until they're they're happy with the content. But it's 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 that sort of. Uh, I think it's probably with with anybody that provides a, a service, probably more than a product, that if if somebody thinks no, I, I can do that better, it's it's taking the step back, taking a deep breath, and saying okay. But this is why I've done it this way, and and that's when they begin to realise, um, you know, why the co- the copy will work.
0: Yeah, uh, amazing that they will hire you in the first place, knowing that they need someone who's better than them to write it, and then they're kind of critiquing it afterwards. It's quite frustrating.
1: Yeah, but uh, it happens. It happens. It's just one of the many things you have to deal with.
0: <laughs> yeah. So nine times out of ten, it is a good outcome. Are there any times when they just can't agree with you, and you've had to redo the whole thing, or even cancelled a project? Does that ever happen?
1: Um, once, or, as I think only probably a couple of times in the last five years that um, that I have walked away, um, mainly because I can see we're not going to come across common ground at all. Um, but most times, if they do sort of have an issue with the way I've laid something out then it's very simple to explain why. Then they, are, you know, they can clearly see what I've done and why I've done it, and then they're happy to go ahead with it. So it doesn't happen very often, but every now and again, it'll come up.
0: And so for people who are new to copywriting and possibly thinking of becoming a freelance copywriter, usually it's going to work out okay, but if push does come to shove, it is okay to walk away from the job if necessary.
1: It is definitely, especially when you think it's it's your reputation on the line. The last yes. thing you want to do is getting a slanging match with a client. You know, yeah. if you can see that you've reached an impasse and you are not going to be able to see eye to eye, yeah. then the, the professional thing to do is say, okay, you know, we're obviously not going to be able to work together on this, and take a step back.
0: Yeah, and obviously in a friendly way. At the end of the day, it is your reputation on the line. Your next bit of business is all dependent on how good you've been in the past, how responsive your previous sales letters and marketing services were. So it's very important that it is your best work that does go out there into the public domain. You don't want to be producing substandard work just because the client wanted you to.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're adamant that you have to do it in a certain way that you know isn't going to work, Mm -hmm. then walk away. Because as you say, it's your reputation on the line and you don't want to produce something knowing it's not going to work because that's, that's not the professional you want to be seen as. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, if you know it's not going to work, then the, uh, you know, just, you know, walk away from it politely. Um, you know, the, the virtual handshake as you depart, but, but do it, but do it in, in a way that's, that's pleasant for all parties, but move on and, uh, you know, work, start on the next job.
0: Sally, you've given some really good information today. Thank you very much for that. Where can we go to find out more about you? I know that you've got a blog. Any newsletter at all? Any information products? Are you for hire?
1: Yes, I'm for hire, yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I've got obviously my main website, which is um, briarcopywriting.com. There is a blog on that website giving various um, hints and tips And there's also a newsletter, uh, produce a monthly newsletter that you can sign up to from that website as well. When you land on the homepage, there's a a banner across the uh, image banner that revolves and, uh, the web, the, um, sorry, the newsletter sign up is the first image that appears on there. And signing up as a thank you, um, you'll also receive a a free copy of my ebook, um, and the Five Steps to Marketing, um, which is always quite a good read to, to help you out and getting you sort of started in marketing. Um, but as well as that site, I also have a, an external blog as well, okay. which is freelancecopywritersblog.com, um, which again, it has loads and loads of articles on there, all to do with copywriting, marketing and social media in the business world. So, so that's probably worth uh, checking out as well.
0: Great. Well, that's the end of today's show. Thank you for tuning in. And Sally, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Okay, thanks so much.
0: The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic. Improving conversion rates. Increasing customer value and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.